What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 56 of More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison. I'm joined today by my co-host, Zach Rolf, fresh off a week after the state tournament. How's it going today, Zach? Not bad, man. Nice little recovery after a pretty emotional weekend. You know, it's it's a... Man, the sport is, is love-hate and has no forgiveness whatsoever. I completely agree. I mean, there's, there's always the emotions of the state tournament itself, but like even just the post state tournament, like I don't know if you call it a post state tournament depression or what it is, but especially I guess as a coach or somebody that you've watched wrestle for the last, I don't know whether it's the last five, six years that he's been on varsity, you know, or just people in general or, you know, guys that you've been following from their youth days and now they're, they move on and they, they're they're done you're not going to see them wrestle again next year and then it's just kind of like the the culmination of the uh the season but then you have the highs and lows of the tournament itself which is very wearing I mean it's wearing on an athlete obviously if they let's say whether they lose in the quarters or semis and then they have to wrestle back or you know the the emotions of a wrestler that maybe lost in the quarterfinals and wrestle back to take third just I don't know it's it's really tolling on a on a wrestler, but it's also totally on fans and, and coaches itself. Yeah, man. You know, th- there's a, I, I don't know if you've ever had this argument with one of your athletes before, but I know I was getting into this argument with my athletes where, you know, it, it's in my opinion, a wrestling tournament is far tougher on a coach than it is an athlete. Right. And the argument is, well, you're not wrestling. You're not, you know, the physicality is not on you. And it's like a couple of things is a, we we're right there with you in every match. We're mentally wrestling every single match with you the whole way. Right. The other mm-hmm. side is we're getting the ups and downs that you're feeling for all 15 to 20 guys on our team, whatever tournament we're at. You know what I mean? You know, I'll kind of use you guys as an example a little bit more. Like you guys had Trayton Tupper get a pinfall in the blood round, turn right around and have Vendavian Way lose a tight one in the semifinals. Like, and then that's crazy. Carter Bear gets a 50 second pin in the, the semifinals right after Way. Yeah. So it's so- like. I'm walking off the mat with, with way. And, you know, we're going to the back and he's obviously upset. And I'm like, listen, we got to get the next best thing. We got to go keep, keep her head up, go to third. And then, you know, I'm, I'm missing Carter bears match, which I mean, I knew he was going to do well in, but he wins. It's like a bittersweet thing where one of your guys loses and then you have a guy win. And then same thing, you know, we're in the corral waiting for the seventh and eighth place match, which I've got another, uh, bone I like to pick, but the seventh and eighth place match, um, Trey and Tupper, you know, he's standing next to me. He's like, he's, it's my last match ever, man. It's my last match ever. I'm like go out there and have fun. And so he went out there and wrestled seventh and eighth place match. In the meantime, Van Avian way was wrestling in the Concy semis against Bernstein. So I was in ways match for Bernstein's match. So I didn't see Tupper's last match. And, uh, coach bear sits next to me. He's like, he got it done. He pinned him. So he pinned Yablonski, which, I, I watched Yablonski from uh, Shoreham Wadding River, I think three times this year. And, you know, he's impressed me. I'm like, so to, to not, not be able to watch that match, um, obviously was upsetting, but I mean, the bone I'd like to pick, I guess, to get off that subject real quick is if we're going to have seventh and eighth place matches at the state tournament, we have to have third and fourth going on at one, you know, one mat, fifth and six on another, seventh and eighth on another. I don't know why they, do seventh and eighth when they're doing Concy semis. They should all do it together. And then, you know, obviously the finals, I like when the finals are, but they're not giving 
the wrestlers, I, I mean, it, it, again, if they're doing the seventh and eighth place matches, they are not giving them the justice, you know, of, hey, there's a seventh and eighth place match going on right now. It, it's just kind of a match that's wrestled and not really cared about, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. They definitely separate those. Um, you know, under the back, back, backtracking just a little bit with the emotional right. thing, you know, like uh, I had two athletes that I, I'm pretty close with. Um, one a little more close to than the other, but you know they're, they're wrestling on the same mat back to back in the blood round, and you know one loses a tough match, the senior year last match of his career, um, and and the emotion that our whole group felt, and then you know our next kids wrestling, and like it's hard to be up and and you know excited for them to wrestle in their blood round match when you just watched another person you really care about have their dreams crushed in the blood round of the state tournament. You know, it, it was really hard for me to, to like really bring myself back up to get excited to the point where it's like, you know, and nothing against this athlete. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm in the stands. I'm not coaching or anything like I'm not anything like that. But I, you know, I, I get up and I, I go out and I try I go back out back to the to the wrestlers area and I find him and he's man, he's in a, he's in a, he's almost kind of in hysterics. He's like upset. And it's just like, man, like those are the parts of the sport that the fans don't always see, like finding those kids in the back who just lost that blood round or just lost that semi or just lost that final match. And they're in the back of the, the arena, just in a ball of emotion. And it's just, it's tough to watch. That's very, that's a very good point. I mean, I never really thought of that just because I've had the, you know, whether I'm doing media stuff or coaching um, you, you get to see that stuff, you know, up front before they go up into the stands, obviously after they've cooled down and, you know, got their emotions, somewhat under control like you you see that stuff right off whether it's off of a win or off of a loss but yeah that's a great point i didn't really think of that yeah so um yeah go ahead i just i was kind of move on move on from that from the emotional part of the thing you know like yeah the let's kind of get into the tournament you know like uh talk about the big stories the you know the hit and misses that we had personally kind of brag a little bit maybe shoot ourselves down a little bit you know um I'm sure 95% of the people that are listening to this were probably in Albany uh, last weekend. So I don't feel like it's necessary to have to go through every little aspect of the tournament. Um, if you weren't in Albany last weekend, what the heck were you doing with yourselves? Fix it. Figure it out. Get to Albany next year. I, uh, I agree. But, uh, you know, I was looking at pictures or maybe it was some of the finals rematches. And I, I did notice a lot of empty uh, seats. And I had this discussion with Baron Mulhauser on last episode, like not even about the empty seats, but just about being there to experience day two. And again, it was experiencing the emotions of day two. Like you, as a wrestler, you have to see, I mean, if, if you're, you didn't qualify for the state tournament, even if you went, you know, one and two, oh, and two, whatever, you didn't make it to day two, you should stay for the second day because so much stuff goes on there. You, you see the highs and lows of that sport of the sport and like the parade of champions. And it's kind of, you know, motivating and, you know, you want to be there for next year. So yeah, if you weren't in Albany, shame on you. Yeah. And you know, not only is it motivating, but it, it is a for you, especially for your underclassmen who are either fringe qualifiers or, you know, didn't make it to day two. It's, it's a good thing to see those things before you have the opportunity to be there because uh, the first time you're ever in that arena, it's especially as a young athlete, right? Maybe not for the coaches or fans or anything, but like as a young athlete, whether it's freshman, sophomore situation, like you walk into there, they see the bright lights and, and it feels like you're on a stage. You may not be on a stage, but um, 
I know my first time in the state, like coaching the state semis, you know, it was, it was like, holy crap, like these lights are bright. And, it, and, you know, I used to think that was an expression, like, you know, turn it on when the bright lights are bright, but it let, it generally felt like the bright, the, I cannot keep saying that the lights are brighter down there on the floor, you know? Yeah. It definitely appears that way as well. Yeah. So get that experience to, to see what it looks like before you're actually out there because it's definitely definitely a little shocking the first couple times you're out there. So yeah, let's get into D1-102. Um, so obviously you did the previews for Division One. I, I did the previews for Division Two. So I'll let you kind of take it away at D1. Yeah, so probably the biggest story of the weekend outside of maybe 138 came out of this weight class. And, you know, I will say a lot of times the 102, the 99s, the 96s, typically that's where you see your next future stars coming out. Uh, we've seen Yanni, Vito, Greg, uh, Adam Busiello, and Ja'Cory Teamer. You know, those kind of guys kind of light this weight class up. Um, but this story is a little different, you know, with, with Dunia, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Sibamana um, out of Long Beach. If you don't know about this dude's story, you need to go look it up. He's attacked by chimpanzees when he was six. Um, and the story is just unbelievable. And the fact that he came in here and pretty much dominated his way to a state championship, he went major, major nine, three decision over Sadriano, who I deemed in, in our preview as the favorite going into the, to the weight class. And then a pinfall in the state finals over Ryan Ferraro, Schnigel Forks. Uh, this dude just went on an absolute tear and didn't look back. And it was, just, it was a crazy thing to watch. It really was. I mean, I watched... I believe it was his match against uh, Satriano um, from the D2 side. And I was on the floor level and I'm like, man, it, it, like he just, he's so smooth and quick and uh, he's put together pretty well for an eighth grader as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, he's pretty strong. So uh, yeah, he's somebody to keep her eye out on for the next few years. But I remember watching him, you know, part with the uh, Long Beach Gladiators crew, uh, you know, years ago with him and as Isaiah Bird, I believe it was, um, you know, I I remember all those guys back in their their Nyway days. So it's kind of kind of cool to see him. You know, win a state title this past weekend. Yeah, you know, gotta now I gotta call myself out. I had some hits this weekend. We both did. I think we talked about that. But I had a pretty big swing and a miss on this way. I had uh, Jason Ukeda doing a pretty pretty good job. Um, not to call the kid out or anything, but you know, I had a hit there and didn't do as well as I as well as I thought he would. Well, on a brighter note, let's move to D two where I had a hit. And uh, I, ne- I didn't really necessarily predict him to make the finals, but I just said watch out for um, Gabe English. Uh, Gabe English was 21, I think, going into this weekend. And he, his only loss was to his uh, – or his brother, twin brother, um, Liam, who was at 110. Uh, so, yeah, he, he comes out as the 10th seed, and he knocks off Hoffman, and then he knocks off uh, Carmine Calamari from Section 6. And then in the semis, he knocks off Gene Edwards, the three seed. Um, and then of course, Darren Florence beats him in the finals, but yeah, he, uh, he might've surprised a lot of people, but again, that was one of the hot takes that I had in the preview show that Gabe English was, uh, the guy to keep his eye out for. Yeah. 110 D1. This was one of the, the crazier weight classes that we talked about. Um, I think I said there were seven of the eight journeyman place finishers returning to this weight. Um, and it kind of went how we expected it to go with, with, Joseph Manfredi coming away with the state championship, 51-0 and on the season. Uh, rematch of the journeyman finals last year. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, like, 
I know we talked about Anthony Clem a little bit uh, in the preview show as a 14 seed. I think we all kind of, I think we, I know I expected him to make the semis in the minimum. Uh, he kind of went out Terry with tech major, major, and then ran into Mikey Monza of Hop Hog. But the reason I want to bring this up is kind of the emotional thing, right? Back to back to that a little bit. Wanta had Anthony Clem and Joseph Clem on the same mat back to back where Anthony Clem gave up, you know, he got ridden out in the third period to lose a match three to two on a heartbreaker just for the next match to happen and his brother to lose in double overtime to Jaden Crumpler. Like that, man, going back to back, or sorry, not Jaden Crumpler, uh, Matt Marlowe from Northport that, you know, back to back losses like that for a coach, for a team, for a family, that's tough. It really is. I mean, that's that's what we were saying in the beginning, right? The emotions of the sport are just, they're unreal. I mean, I kind of was looking at some of the, whether it's the quarterfinals or the semis, more so the semis, because you see a lot of times where people do the semi slide and they, you know, they lose in the semis and the emotions obviously hit them in the wrong way. The, the state title, the dream of the state title had shattered. And then, you know, they don't rebound as well. And then they drop down to sixth place. But looking at at least most of the D2, um, most of the guys that lost in the semis did at least win their, win their next match. Um, but yeah, that's part of that emotions thing we were talking about. Another interesting thing with this weight class, uh, the 12 seed placed, the 14 seed placed, the 18 seed placed, 13th, and then the 10th. So, uh, I mean, obviously we, we knew with this many hammers in the, the bracket, it was bound to be busted. But yeah, there was a lot of guys at place that were seated pretty high or low yeah, rather. Travis, Travis Browning, fifth seed, lost first round, battled back to take fifth. Yeah, that's impressive. I got a guy actually at 110. Uh, let's move over to D2, 110. Caleb Cole, section four guy. He yes, won sir. his first match. Then he lost to Liam English in the round of 16. Then he won five straight and fell to a fellow section four guy, Jane Duncanson, and he took fourth. So he ended yeah. up with a six and two record on the season or on the, yeah. the weekend. I got to brag a little bit. I said all four section four guys are going to place in this weight class or all three section four guys are going to place in this weight class. I got another stat with that as well. So three, four, five, three, four, five, all four guys. There's only uh, so section three and section four um, D two they sent three at every weight. Section four, all three guys placed at one ten, and all three guys placed at one sixty. So that was kind of an interesting fact that I came up with as well. There was a few weights that um, so one thirty eight section four didn't have anybody place, and two eighty five section four didn't have anybody place. And then section three didn't have anybody placed at 152. Um, but yeah, there, those were just some interesting facts that I had come up with. But yeah, section four was deep at 110. Um, in the finals, we saw Hubbard over Spalding. That was a rematch of the Windsor tournament. Um, I just shared a thing earlier today on More Wrestling's Twitter. I'll probably share it on Facebook now. There was 44 New York State place finishers at Windsor and nine New York State champs wrestled at Windsor this year. Kind of That's a... It's crazy thought, honestly. I mean, without looking at that uh, picture that I shared, I think there was there was guys that did not place at Windsor and they placed at the state tournament, both D1 your and guy. D2 guys. So Yeah, your guy, Trayton Tupper, was one of them. Yeah, so Trayton Tupper was one of them, and there was, I mean, Tyler Rowe, the Tioga. Granted, he was wrestling up a few weight classes. Um, but, yeah, there was – actually, there, Burn Hills, they, they had a 110-pounder that did not um, did not place it there. Let's see. 
Aiden Schufelt did not place. Tyler Whiteley of Burnt Hills did not place. Tyler Rowe, Tavian Camper of Copenhagen, and Trayton Tupper of Governor. So there was five guys total that did not place at the Windsor tournament, and they went on and placed at the New York State tournament. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think I think part of that has a lot to do with the COVID, just given the uh, Windsor canceled fans this year just because they wanted to be able to have as many teams as they could. Yeah. Uh, and given Eastern States cancellation, I believe we knew by then that Eastern States wasn't happening. So I want to say a lot of a lot of teams wanted to go to Windsor because they knew they'd get that competition, and obviously, obviously, it worked out for them. Yeah, I mean, I shared a thing probably Saturday morning um, when I knew a lot of the state place finishers. Uh, so last Saturday at the uh, arena, I shared a thing. I knew there was over 30 guys, and then of course, I think there was 13 or 14 finalists that were at Windsor. And then after the finals, I did a little bit. I actually did the research this morning and I came up with 42. And then of course you, you miss a few of them. Um, yeah. There's 44 of them. Well, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. D1 118 Matt Marlowe defeats Rashad Evans, nephew, Jaden Crumpler in the state finals. Really? Uh, yeah. Not that I, that's a super important fact, but thought it was pretty cool. It is. Um, Rashad Evans gave him a shout out on Twitter. That's how I figured that out. Uh, um, you know, not not a whole bunch in this weight class. This is probably I mean, Jaden Crumpler went on a really good run from the sixty to make the finals. Uh, beat Christian Liviano in the in, in overtime in the semis. Um, you know, it was about how I expected the weight to go. I mean, I did expect Liviano to make the finals, but I knew Jaden Crumpler was tough. I knew he'd be up there. I didn't think he could beat Liviano. Obviously, I was wrong. Good on him. But not a whole ton to take away from this. So 118 D2, uh, the top four seeds stayed true. Gianni Silvestri, uh, the one seed, he beat D.A. Jesus Remchuk in the finals, which that was a rematch of the state duels we talked about. And then Chase Nevels beat Kirsch for third and fourth. So again, those stayed true. Um, actually, Remchuk had a few close matches going to the finals, though. Uh, in the quarterfinals, yes, he, he wrestled Joey Florence. And I believe Florence was up. Uh, in the second period, yeah, he was winning in this. He was winning in the second period. Uh, Xavier took the lead. No, I think he tied it up going into the third. Got the escape in the third period to go up five four. And Joey Florence was in on a on the on the match winning takedown for about twenty five to thirty seconds, trying to pull his leg back in bounds. Uh, Xavier wasn't fleeing. He was he was hand fighting and and in, in, in that split position, trying to to fight it off. And he did a great job doing it. Like. Florence didn't get the takedown. It was not like a controversial thing or anything like that, but he was, he was inches about three or four different times in that 25 seconds from, from securing that takedown. So that high right there, I mean, you, you, he could have had a high where he's in the, the state semis Saturday morning, but instead, you know, he, he, he falls down to the wrestlebacks again, the low and he loses eight to two to Devin. So, I mean, again, that's just kind of reiterating what we just talked about that, he was right there to beat Remchuk. Then Remchuk in the semis wrestles Chase Nevels, which again, that was a match that I really wanted to see because I saw Nevels wrestle Gianni Silvestri somewhat tough. You know, I think it was a five nothing loss at Windsor and De Jesus Remchuk rode him out in overtime. Um, I think it went to tiebreaker two yep. and he got an escape and then he held Nevels down. So that was a, that was a grown man ride out. He had the deepest tight waist, beautiful chop, 
just kind of grinded him into the mat, didn't give him a chance to really get out. It was very impressive ride out there from Xavier. Yeah, it really was. 126-D1. Next topic, right? Now, uh, Tyler Farrar, we knew what we, we kind of knew coming in. This is what it was going to look like. He controlled every match. He won by major, pin, pin. And in my opinion, very controlled decision over Farbach. I didn't think he was ever in any danger to, to lose the match. I will say I wanted I wanted to see Isaiah Torres wrestle Braden Farbach. I think Isaiah Torres has an argument to be the second best guy in this weight class. So Tyler pinned him in the semis, but I looked over and I thought it was 0-0. Zero, zero, and then I looked back over and Tyler was like taking his anklets off and was you know, obviously excited. He won. I believe it was two to one. I think Tyler got a takedown. Uh, Torres got an escape, and then Tyler uh, went single leg to a near side cradle. Okay, I thought it was a near side cradle, but um, yeah, I, I I couldn't see it from. I was on the floor level, obviously on the other side, but yeah, Tyler Ferrara. Um, yeah, Tyler's Tyler's actually tough. I I know it's it's typically bad wrestling to reach to that head on a single leg to get that cradle. Uh, I've watched him do that a few times. I at uh, Super Thirty Two a couple of years ago, he was losing big to a nationally ranked guy and was able to pull that near side cradle in from that single leg to to get the win. And that's kind of how he got his his uh, national ranking, national recognition at that point was by that single leg to a near side cradle. So he's he's always been tough there. Yeah, Tyler Farrar with the state title. That's good to see. I mean, he won the state tournament last year, journeyman state tournament. But to uh, to leave Albany on a good note, I know. He was excited with it. I know his dad was pretty pumped as well, so it's good to see that. Uh, D2-126, Max Gallagher finally got the job done, so that was another more wrestling guest. Uh, I believe he took third in 19. He took second in 2020. I believe he wrestled at the Journeyman State Tournament last year. I'm not positive, but, yeah, he was Gallagher. my second pick for MOW D2. He kind of was pretty dominant. He had a, a fall, a fall, a major decision, then a tech fall in the finals. Um, yeah, he was he was a beast. Yeah, Gallagher wrestled at Dreamin' last year. He made the semis and had injury default. That's what it was. I knew there was a guy that injury defaulted. I was confusing. Well, I didn't really know if it was him or um, Titus, but yeah, I knew it was a Section 11 guy. But actually talking about a few of the guys that Max beat at the state tournament, he beat the guy that took second, the guy that took third, and the guy that took fourth. So he beat uh, Sierra Fella of Section 6, Kimball of Section 3, and – the Caro of section six. That's always a good, good run to go through. <laughs> it is. Yeah. D one one thirty two. So this is where I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. Steven Lucas, Eastport South Manor, 34 and one in the year dominated to a state championship. Uh, in the finals, it was a little closer. Just he, he went up big and then kind of, kind of stalled out a little bit to let Mar to let Marquise back in the match. But he, Pinned the nine seed, Tech followed the one seed, Tech followed, well, the 20 seed who made the semis, and then won nine to six over Marquise in the, in the state finals. Just absolutely murdered everyone. Um, I didn't expect him to do that. Like, I'm not going to claim to think he was going to come in here and just destroy everybody. He is a monster on top, and that's where he made his money all weekend. I think it was 0 0 going into the second period in the state finals. Uh, Marquise took bottom, and Lucas got. I think two turns in the second to, to go up by a good amount. So, I mean, he just went on an absolute tear. Um, my, did, uh, my local boy, Alex Booth, he took third. So that was good to see. Yeah. That's who that, that was my, that was my heart pick there. I wanted, I wanted him to win. You know, I don't have any ties to Alex Booth. Um, matter of fact, I probably shouldn't want him to win just because him and, yeah. him and my guy <laughs> had a pretty good rivalry for a little bit. 
Um, but, you know, just because I've seen the heartbreak he's had to go through over the last few years, like, I, I wanted to see him get it done. But, unfortunately, I, he went he went up 4-1 in the semis, and then Marquise had a nice little comeback there to win 5-4. So, good, good on him. Yeah, needed a little bit different mat strategy. Um, Absolutely. Being yelled his way, but. Yeah, he uh, actually we saw the match that we thought we were gonna see at the Windsor tournament and the state duels where he beat uh, Laplante. So he beat Laplante in the Conti semis. But uh, 132 D2, I've got. This was actually one of the only few weights that I had on D2 side that the top eight seeds um, placed in the top eight, but you know not in order. Um, but they were the top eight seeds. So one of the things that I gotta say is, um, and I kind of called it sort of um, Joseph Sprasio of. Matatuck section 11. He is the real deal. Um, I watched his match with rematch with the County finals of Petretti of Shore Modding river, got the 10, four win there. And then in the semis beat Noto. That and, match was wild. Yeah. I mean, I would have probably, I might've even picked Noto to win this weight, but I, I, I called Sparacio to make the finals if he was on the other side of the bracket, which of course he proved me wrong and, and won the whole damn thing. But yeah, 32 was kind of a uh, kind of wild. Yeah, I I wanted Caden Bell to win. Obviously, Section Four guy, big fan of Tioga. Um, I I thought Caden be able to. I thought Caden would beat Sparacio. I thought that was a good matchup for Caden. For the most part, I was right. Uh, I think he had a really good tournament, good, good game plan going in, and then Sparacio just locked up that ball and chain from his feet. Like it was really weird. Obviously, Caden's on his feet trying to, at this point, Sparasso just got hit for stalling. He's like, let me just stay here a little longer and get another stall call. Stay there a little too long, Caden, you know, gave up that, that bull and chain. And good on Sparasio for making that making that adjustment on his feet to, to come back and get some back points, including after getting black points waved off from the first ever successful challenge in the New York State tournament. I was going to mention that too. Harrington kind of threw out that challenge and uh... – kind of got the crowd restless a little bit but you know if you it was a it was a good challenge i mean he, the points came yeah. away so yeah i, I mean it that, was a, it was clearly the right the right decision to challenge that there i thought yeah i thought it was a pretty clear no call there but um bellis though he barely got by the in the semis against jillings that was crazy that was also insane he's winning by a lot and then jillings just comes up I, I believe it was a headlock um pulled him up into a headlock and yeah it was headlock yeah, and, and I was like two minutes away watching it in the corral. And uh, yeah, I was like, holy crap. And then I looked back and then Bellis's dad came off and he was like, he had a smile on his face and he's kind of shaking his head. I'm like, oh, apparently he won. So yeah, that was yeah, nuts. Was... I think it was 11, eight to win. Smile on your face, shaking your head is the perfect way to explain that wrestling match. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> D1, 138. So I mentioned before, probably the... Probably the story coming out of the New York State tournament, kind of unfortunately, I feel like there's a lot of other stories, especially like Dunia, uh, that probably should have taken the forefront. But how do you explain this match? Because I've had a ton of people, specifically because I'm from Section 4, a ton of people reach out to me and say, hey, what was your honest opinion of what happened? And, dude, it's so, like I've gone back and watched the match a couple times, and I'd say a couple of the calls were warranted, but... A majority of them felt silly or like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just like tough wrestling or something. I know somebody that was near a college wrestler at that tournament, and they said that's just tough college wrestling. 
Um, of course, yeah. not the this blatant stuff that might have been, you know. Right. I mean, I think the first headbutt in the first period, I think, is when it was. Um, I'm not sure he meant it to be a headbutt. I think the way the positioning was made it look worse than it was. But I understood that one. The cross face, that one I wasn't I wasn't too sure about. Maybe, maybe. Um, but the, the cautions were bad. The I think one caution should have been George's, two should have been PJ's. But I mean overall, like I think the ref kind of got a little overwhelmed by the moment of the state tournament. Um maybe I'm speaking out of out of turn here, but when you have four penalty calls in the th- fourth period or the third period of a match, like man. Yeah. Something something went wrong there and and knowing knowing the Arujá family, not that I know them well, but you know, um, and knowing what I know from about George from from the Ithaca Section Four area, that's just it's out. Of, it was out of character for them to say that he would be dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really watch the match live. I did go back and rewatch some of the the calls, and I really just kind of see. I mean, again, you you could see a few of the calls that were called, but some of the calls that were called, and you just kind of shook your head, like I don't I don't really know what that was, but. I felt like a couple of them, the ref was just kind of being weary of PJ's leg. Yeah. But nothing was illegal or even potentially dangerous. It was just good pressure from Arujao to to do what he wanted to do with his leg and it worked for his cradle. And I think the ref was just being conscious of PJ's knee, which is, I mean, kind of his job, but at the same time, like, you can't, you can't officiate the match differently because you think someone's injured. You have to officiate it the same way no matter what. Right, I agree with that. Um, moving on to D2, 138. You kind of, I believe you kind of called this. I said this was a guy that might make a run, or at least the uh, first round match that he was going to have was going to be one to watch. That was Caleb Sweet. I think he yeah, came in. Yeah, I said he's making the finals. I called him in the finals. Yeah, so he came in at like 40 and two, I think, on the, on the season. Um, yeah. And he won his first match by fall over McCumber of Tioga by fall in five minutes. And then he beats Ryan Sweeney, the one seed eight to four gets the fall in the semis and then, you know, runs into Soriano, which was probably, I mean, definitely should have been the one seed. Um, and Soriano takes the weight class 10 to one in the finals. I did have a hot take in this weight though. And that was Trayton Tupper, the 11th seed. I, you know, obviously had a root for my own guy, but uh, he did make a run as well. I think he lost his, he won his first match, lost his second, and then he won one, two, three, and then dropped down to the seventh and eighth place place match and won his last match. So I think he went five and two on the weekend, which is a hell of a ending for a career. So yeah, good on him, man. Yep, good on good on you guys. <laughs> you just got to believe in yourself. Anything can happen. Absolutely. So one forty-five, and exactly what we said was going to happen is is what happened. We jinxed ourselves. Um. Jaden Scott, you know, did his thing. You know, he's two-time state finalist. He kind of went out there and just controlled every match. I think in the finals it was 4-2, but I don't recall seeing Kanata super close to a takedown to, to, to give himself an opportunity. Um, I did say Frankie Volpe the tw- that the 20 seed was going to make the semis. I think if he was on the other side, I think he could have given Kanata a legitimate go, you know, I obviously can had to beat catch two one. Um, not to give anything away from that catch was clearly injured. I don't know where he got injured, 
but he he was injured and he he did default out of the tournament at that point as well. Yeah, uh, I heard from some sources that it was a head issue, and yeah. I don't know if whether it was a concussion or whatever, but it was a head issue. And then he he wanted to get in. He was like running around back trying to get into the arena, and his I mean his dad's one of the coaches, but uh they said no, you're not wrestling. So that's what I heard. I'm not entirely sure how 100 percent true that is. Yeah, that's that's. That was my also what I heard. So, um, I, it was just your hot take though, Frankie Volt. Yeah, Frankie Volt be making the semis is what I called. Uh, I think he ended up taking third. Yes, he did. Yep. From twenty seed, uh, his only loss came to Jaden Scott. Not much you could do about that one. No. Uh, Anthony Canada. We did mention him. We said it was. Po- we said Canada stuff. That it's definitely a possibility that he gets where he wants to be. Um, makes that final run. Uh, Citroni. I'm not sure what happened. He got hurt. He injury defaulted in 21 seconds. And then he ended up taking eighth. He won his, he won his blood round match. And then he lost to Renzo Montalvo. And then he lost to Gage LaPlante. So, was it a uh, slam? Did he take him down? Was it a mat return? I mean, somebody was explaining it to me that day. And Kaneda wanted to actually it might have been Donovan Smith. I overheard him saying it, but I thought he said he wanted to continue to wrestle and he didn't. But I could be wrong. It does say penalty on the on the track, so I guess it's possible. But Yeah. But hey, I, I had a hot take as well. If you like if you don't want to take the win that way, you don't have to. I had the I had the hot take though, cold and hardy by fall cradle. It did happen. You are right. It happened. It so I was not wrong. <laughs> then you got uh, tech by Citroni, so Yeah, that's true. Um, 145 D2. All this was another way where all eight or top eight seeds placed in the top eight. Um, Four one of the semis. matches, one of the matches that caught my eye was Jackson Polo versus Owen Hicks in the semis. It was a 10 9 match. Um, I believe Hicks was leading five to four entering the third, and then there was a reversal and four near fall for Polo. And then Hicks, you know, I believe he finished strong with a reversal and two near fall, which he ended up losing 10 to nine. If that math adds up, um, but yeah, yeah exactly. it was an awesome, it was a crazy match. Which uh, Amsterdam, we remember him, but uh, John Paris, he coaches at Fonda, Fultonville, Johnstown, and uh, Owen Hicks is only 11th grader, so I would watch out for him next year. Yeah, I mean, we're probably gonna get a chance to see him and, and Donovan in the state finals next year. Um, obviously, I was wrong. I'll take it. Donovan Smith did not win a state title this weekend, but you know, I, I gotta I gotta ride for my guys. You know, he's not obviously not one of my athletes that I coach, but um, he looked pretty damn good. He knows everyone, but um, I have a special place in my heart for Mr. Smith. So uh, he wrestled Polo tough. I thought he I thought he could pull it off. He wrestled six cook tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he beat six pretty good. He had a very good plan going into that match. When you wrestle somebody with the last name Cook, you got to take specific shots. You got to take, you know, let the let the points come to you. Don't try to force things and. It's exactly what he did. I've got a question, though. Um, I, I thought it was one of these two semis. I really think it was Polo versus Hicks, but, and it might not even be that. Um, but there was a, a scramble on the D2 side. I want to say it was the semis, but it was nuts. It was like 35 seconds of them grabbing far ankle, rolling through. You're in on a shot, you know, continuing that. And I don't know who it was. I, I wish I would have, like, wrote it down or texted somebody. Yeah, I don't uh, think that – I don't think it was Donovan and Six because Donovan no. – fin- the shot's pretty clean and yeah. I think it was Polo versus Hicks, but I could be wrong on that. I'm not positive. Yeah, I wasn't paying a whole ton of attention to that one. Just obviously, I was 
focusing more on Donovan and Six Cooks match, but yep. um, I did see the third period for the most part of Polo and Hicks because I believe that was happening while Donovan was sitting crisscross applesauce with a thumbs up on the mat while Six <laughs> was bleeding or injury time. I don't remember what it was, but probably one of the best pictures of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. 152. Um, this weight class, as I mentioned before, was super deep. It had seven state or eight state place finishers in it. Um, Rocco Camilci is an absolute animal. Dude was just getting takedown after takedown after takedown on everybody he wrestled. Um, Ben Rogers, I, we said he, I said he was, I thought him and Bova would, would fight for the second best guy in the weight class. Um, Rogers pulled it out 4 3. So that was tough. Um, I was surprised to see Bova lose in the wrestlebacks to Eric Teague from uh, Minnesink. Um, but the wrestlebacks, anything can happen at that point. Yeah, true. Um, Bova, yeah, Bova and Rogers had a close match at the state duels. I was, if I said it in the preview last week, I was totally off by what the score was. It was, I think it was a ride out or whatever, but uh, I think I predicted it was a bigger decision. Um, but yeah, so 152 D2, this was a weight that I said, you know, I don't know if I said several different guys could win it. I know like from seeds one through six, five. maybe one through five, um, you know, anything could happen. Of course, our guy was the one seed, and then he had the two section five guys in the other quarter, uh, Woodward and Geyser. And then down low, he had Dakota Mashow, which was undefeated coming into the seat or into the weekend. And then Usman Duncanson, which is a dangerous dude out of Tioga. So, yeah, in the semis, Geyser takes out way three to two. And then Duncanson gets the sudden victory win over Mashow. I believe that was the stalling point, right? Yeah, that was the stall point. Yeah. yeah. And then he beats Geyser two to one to uh, win a state title. Yeah. Shout out Usman, man. That kid is a workhorse. Yeah. After- I mean, he, he messaged you shortly after a state title, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was the following day. Text me said, "When's when's the off season start?" I had to t- I had to remind him to enjoy a state title. <laughs> yeah, take. A, I mean, I know Kenny told the, the guys take a week off. So, yeah, I mean, I know you want to get back to the to the mats and and get that work in, but a little time off never hurt. Absolutely, it's beneficial for the most part. Yeah. Um, D one one sixty. Zach Ryder did what Zach Ryder does and cradled a lot of people. He's very good at that. Um, pin in 39 seconds, pin in the second period, pin in the first period, and a 6-3 decision over Sanko. Um, Sanko kept it pretty close for a while, but um, another one of those situations where, like, I didn't really see a, I didn't really see any danger for Ryder's state title here um, going through it. Section 5 represented well here. Unger and Sanko went 2-3. Shout out to uh, Ethan Hart, Corning. State place finisher. Shout out to Frankie Thoreau of Catholic School, St. Anthony. He uh, won his first, and then he got mauled by Zach Ryder, and then he won five straight, and then ended up taking fourth. So, nice. yeah, he had to run on the backside. Wrestleback Warrior almost to uh, the third place match, but, yeah, it was impressive showing for him. D2-160, we got Carter Bear running through the tournament. Kind of predicted it in the preview show. Uh, he wins by tech fall, tech fall, fall, tech fall in the finals to uh, win the state tournament and then win MOW honors as well. So that was exciting. We, I said it last episode. It's nice to see 
Carter won the MOW. He won MOW at every <clears throat> every tournament this year except Tioga, where Van Davian way beat Donovan Smith. So way got the MOW that that weekend. But yeah, great to see him go out with a uh, awesome weekend. I know there was again, like I said, a, a over a hundred um, Governor fans in the stands. So um, it was. 122 has to be the fastest tech fall of all time. I mean, he's been out of this, the third period, or I've been out of the first period. Um, I don't know what I said in the preview show, but it's been uh, three times. So against Bennett of Pioneer, he got out of the first period. Against Brown in the finals, he got out of the first period. And then in the Windsor finals against Hart, he got out of the first period. So, yeah, he's you get that crossroads tilt, you're you're in trouble. He almost yeah, pinned I, a guy in the, in the finals with a crossroads tilt. I don't think I the ref to, wanted to call it, though. I don't think I've ever seen a 122 tech fall before. That's unreal. Got to go to work. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. <laughs> B1, 172. This might have had the best matches of the tournament for the most part. Um, the first time ever somebody with the last name of Diakon Mahalas lost in Albany. Maybe not in Albany, but, you know, at the state tournament. Elijah Diak Mahalas was the four seed, ended up taking third. Lost to Mikey Aldemer of Menacing Valley 5-4 in the semis. Um, I was not able to watch this match, but I heard it was absolutely bonkers. I just rewatched it today. He had a Peterson late in the third, or maybe it was like halfway through the third, and he got a reversal off of it. He didn't get any backs, and then he immediately caught Altimer, is what I believe happened. But, uh, yeah, I watched the, the third period. Um, I don't know, five hours ago. Okay. I'll and another another interesting stat, um, not to interrupt you, but I heard Dylan Shell did not give up a single takedown all year. Oh, I didn't mention the other stat either. That's possible. That's that makes sense. But quick backtrack, Tyler Ferrara only gave up escapes all year long. Yeah, that's impressive. The only points scored on him were escapes. Um speak back to Dylan Shell though. Obviously, he won a state title. He beat Mikey Altimer. Probably one of the bigger upsets of the weekend. Maybe not, because obviously he didn't give up a takedown all year. It was a two-seed over a one-seed, but I'm not sure many people expected that to happen. He Shell, beat the believe, uh, fellow Section 2 guy. Yeah, I believe he was the first. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> it was an all-Section 2, um, 172 D2. Both guys were Section 2. I mean, there, it's no secret. Altimer was a Section 2 guy, um, you know. Um, he ended up winning off of that fleeing call. Um, I know a lot of people, I, they say the takedown counts, but if there's no flea call, that takedown doesn't happen. So, um, I'd like to see what, how that match goes with, with, without that flea. Um, I don't, I don't like the flea personally. I like the stall warning. It, it, there's a reason that rules in place. Give them the stall warning, get them back in the center. If it happens to be your second stall warning, well, then you shouldn't have been on the edge, but um, that's just I my didn't, opinion. I didn't see that, so um, I guess I was caught off guard. I just saw the the winning takedown, um, and I thought that was a pretty sweet takedown. I mean, obviously it was just a pass by pancake kind of situation, but uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't see the one. fleeing call. Yeah, well, it was one one. Shells in on the leg. Aldemar's using the edge to 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 get out to avoid being taken down. And, and that's that's what uh. Geyser's coach argued with uh, Duncanson. Right. And, you know, I, my argument with that one, 
the ref should have blew the whistle before Duncanson pulled him out because Geyser's both of Geyser's knees were out of bounds, and yeah. he was using his knees as support, which the rule is supporting, supporting points. points. Yeah, and his knees were his supporting points. So as soon as his knees were supporting points, there's no longer a reason to let the action continue. But he let the action continue. Usman's trying to pull his leg out. He's not turning around and kicking away. He's standing there trying to pick his leg up, and they go out of bounds. Then they blow it out. No fleeing. They should have blew the whistle. Probably, I think it was. I think I counted four seconds before they actually did, because mm-hmm. the knees went out of bounds. So anybody who wants to get technical about that flea call, technically they should have been out of bounds earlier than that. But in this situation, I, I didn't analyze this one quite as well, but I, I still feel that stall wall, stall warning is far more warranted than than a flea. I think a flea is way too judgmental. Yeah, and, I I agree. I mean that's that makes more sense in a especially in the the state finals. And obviously a stall call is judgmental too, but at least you get a warning. You know, if you've already used your warning, you, you, you know, sucks to be you, but at least you get a warning in that situation. But yeah. Shell gets that takedown. Not ta- I'm not taking anything from Shell. I, he very well could have won that match in overtime, but the flea call definitely made the decision on that on that turn on that match. Yeah, because I mean it was off of his shot that he was kind of desperately needed to uh, to win. So without that shot, he wouldn't have gave up the takedown. Right. Um, D2, 172, we've got, uh, actually, this was a weight that I said the winner of Hutton, Ray Hutton of LaSalle, the seven seed, and Jordan Koenig of Holland Patton, the two seed, said whoever wins this is going to the finals, um, and I was right, and I, I might have even predicted them to win it, I don't even know, but uh, yeah, Hutton makes his finals, and then his good friend and journeyman wrestler, um, Reed Douglas, also makes finals, Reed Douglas was the first state champ of Canada Jahari Fort Plain. I think I predicted Landon Smith out of Saranac to do well. So I, I called that Sean Kelly match was going to win. It'd be a good one. He won five to four in sudden victory. And then I thought if he got by Guzman, which was a four seed, uh, would set up a rematch with Douglas and Douglas actually beat him five to four on the year. So that was a, a close match that I thought could have, you know, if, if Smith got there, he could have got the job done, which would have screwed this whole bracket up or could have, but uh, yeah, down low Ray Hutton, he uh, goes on to tear. This this weight actually though, the one seed, the two seed, three seed, and four seed all did not make the semis, so it got blown up early. If I'm not mistaken, um, the one, three, and four all did not place. Correct. Um, I was so, just looking at that to see if what that was, but yes, that's correct. Yeah, um, I do have to say Ray Hutton. He got the he lost with like three seconds left, but you know he like, again like I said he's good friends with Douglas and uh, he raised his hand. In, in victory as well. So that was pretty good sportsmanship shown by by Hutton. Yeah, not only that, but then Douglas went over and hugged Shell, who won the D1 state title. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see. Um, also, how about Douglas getting three pins to make the finals? That's pretty sick. Yeah, that is. Um, I actually saw Hutton. He was one of the last guys, I think, to leave the arena. Just like I said, the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I believe he's a senior and he loses, you know, in his backyard, so to speak, in Albany section two area. And uh, it's not what he wanted, but yeah, good on him for being showing good sportsmanship. That was, that was good to see. I have two things to say about this next weight class. D one eighty nine. shout out Jake Travato for making the state finals at, at the 18 seed. Mm-hmm. Cole has our next topic. Yeah. No doubt. Fall tech tech fall. Mm-hmm. D two one eighty nine. D2-189, it's almost a same next topic kind of situation. Um, he wasn't, I guess, as dominant. I mean, he won by fall, won by fall, 
He won five to one over Blinsky of Dolgeville, and then he won by fall in the finals over Randall of Central Valley. Um, and that's Gabe Monroe of Windsor. He was another another guy that I believed probably was a heavy favorite coming into this tournament. Um, the the two seed Lingell lost into the in the semis against Randall. And uh yeah, I just think this was a weight that was when rose to lose. I mean, we already kind of predicted it. He was gonna Gabe Monroe next topic. Actually, I do have to say we, we kind of predicted this as well. Um Soriano with the sixth seed. He did lose um, in the quarterfinals to Randall, but he did wrestle back and took third. So we did predict him to wrestle higher than a seed because he was a NHSCA All-American. So I did have him in the finals, so I'm not going to take too much credit on that one. Yeah, I I think I might have. I definitely had him beating Randall, but yeah, moving on. D1-215, Ethan Gallo, Menacing Valley, um, Ryan Stein, Shaker. Ryan Stein had a really awesome match in the – in the semis one in overtime uh that was that was pretty cool to watch he definitely got pretty emotional after that one so um also quick and bone celebrate a little bit more guys have some fun man you win a state title you know you just did the thing that you've been working for for god knows how many years enjoy yourselves please i hate this old school mindset where you have to just act like you've been there if you've if you've won one state title guess what you ain't ever been there enjoy yourself Tanika Symbol Mana, uh, he did the backflip. I know, uh, that was sick. And he's that an was... eighth grader, so he's probably going to do it a couple more times. Dude got a freaking standing ovation Yeah, for a backflip. I mean, he probably got a standing ovation for the other reason, too, but like, right. it came back up when he did the backflip, so that's pretty sick, you know? Yeah. Have some fun, guys. Don't let the old people shoot you down. <laughs> um, uh, D2, 215, Sam Sorensen. Um, again, I predicted him to make finals. I predicted him to win a state title. Again, he won the state tournament last year, and then he won a Wyoming state title last year as well. He took second at NHSEAs. Um, his teammate, Hubbard, had won the state title down in 110. And uh, I was also right with the prediction out of the bottom half. I, I said, watch out for Trent Sybil. He was 48-0 and 0 going into the weekend, ended up with 51-1 and 1 record uh, on the year. Um, he's only 11th grader as well, so – he uh, he lost to Sorensen two to one tiebreaker one, um, but he lost in the finals and you know that was a good match right Sorensen he has been dominant all year right he had a fall 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 um, and we talked about how many falls he's had all year but remembering back to last year he had a lot of close matches and he's pretty good at winning close matches so I was pretty comfortable with him going deep into the finals um, but yeah Sybil is tough kind of an interesting fact though. Uh, Five of the seven seeds made the finals in D2. Holy crap. Yeah. So, I mean, I predicted a few of them. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will say one thing about uh, Sorensen. You know, that was one of those similar matches to – I don't know if you remember last year with Farrar and and Xavier in the state finals last year, but, you know, it it was closer than it might have been if there was three seconds left in each period because Sorensen was – in on takedowns literally if there's like one or two seconds left in the first and second period he has two takedowns in that match so well he, he knew he knew the score i mean he knew the time was getting down to 10 seconds i think he was looking for and maybe i could be wrong but because i was standing right behind the, the scores table and i'm like man he's 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 going when time's getting ready to, to go i think he was looking for that last second you know i mean he was wrestling to the whistle which is great to see he wasn't waiting for the next period but he uh he definitely was in on a few shots 
right at the end of those periods. Yeah. So, um, D1 285, one of the comments I made about this weight class was pin or be pinned. All four quarterfinals matches ended in pinfalls. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, Charles Tibbetts got a pinfall in the quarterfinals. Overtime over Montreal in the semis. Overtime in the finals. Of, I mean, I think that was one of the loudest times I heard that crowd all night. Charlie Tibbetts, baby. The cultivator. What was it? A Granby reversal? to win the match yeah like i said charlie tibbetts doesn't look the part necessarily but the dude can wrestle for a 285 pounder absolutely i mean he's going to binghamton next year um you know i'm I'm excited just probably coming into the year we probably you know yeah charlie tibbetts going to binghamton didn't think much of it but i think if he fills out and you know he, he knows how to wrestle anything can happen in the next few years for sure man for sure uh d2 285 um, again, a seven seed, um, that I predicted, I said, I didn't know, don't know much about the two seed Soldano of, uh, PSAL, but Nick Rogers, you know, he's, he's an athletic 285 pounder, which we don't necessarily see a lot. I mean, he, again, he doesn't look maybe the part, but, uh, actually in his match, the quarterfinal match, I think he was down five to nothing. He got put to his back, was on his back, almost pinned and they were out of bounds. So he comes in fresh start. Um, he gets, gets on top gets a power half, turns Soldano or Solano over, and then uh, went six to two in the semis. And he had a nice, exciting match against Hitchcock in the finals. Hitchcock's only 11th grader, so we'll see him again next year out of Warrensburg. But uh, I kind of was talking to Roger's coach. I'm like, do you have a game plan for this guy? Because I know I'm watching Hitchcock all weekend. You know, he comes at you. He's kind of an aggressive, almost bully-type situation. And uh, he had he had a nice – few pass bys and he was in on a nice little single you know time expired um in regulation and then he tried to shoot again and then Hitchcock kind of spun behind him and got the takedown or yeah. fought behind and got the takedown but yeah yeah you know overall it was it was an amazing tournament I'd love to be back I'm so glad we had the opportunity to be back in Albany um let's never cancel a state tournament ever again yeah that would be ideal um the, the seeing all the different people, um, you know, just being around your wrestling family, whether it's the the family that's from your hometown going there to support your guys or the, the guys. I mean, I met up with you. I met up with Matt O'Rourke out of Section 6. I met up with Smitty. You know, you, you meet up with all these guys, Mike Carey, um, you know, just all these guys. It's it's fun to, uh, you know, shoot the shit with each other and and watch really good wrestling. So I'm, that's also why I'm going to the EIWAs this weekend as well. And then Virginia beach nationals at the end of the month. Yeah. I'm hoping to be there at EIWAs for the finals. I got a youth tournament tomorrow morning out in Brockport, New York. So that'll be fun. Good luck. And Sunday. I'm hoping to be at the finals of EIWAs. Not hundred percent on that one yet, but um, anybody out there, I can't wait to get back into the college stuff. We're going to start, we're going to, hopefully do our little bracket reaction that we did last year. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yep. Um, try to get a special guest on that. We'll see. Um, if not, we'll, it'll be us too, but that'll be a lot of fun. One thing I wanted to mention about the D2, uh, the individual teams. Um, so Tioga, they're returning 130 points next year, uh, potentially returning a first, first, second, second, third, and fifth place finisher from the state tournament. Hanoi Falls Lima. Two state ranked backups. 
What's that? That doesn't include two state ranked backups. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they sectionals. That's a, a solid six people that they're returning. Hanoi Falls Lima is returning five with 89 points. They've got a second, third, third, fourth, and seventh. Central Valley's got 68 points returning with four place finishers, second, third, fifth, and a sixth. Windsor's returning 42 place fin- or 42 points with three place finishers, uh, fourth, fourth, and a sixth. And then Clark's bringing back 38 points with two third place finishers. And I do have to mention Homer, they are bringing back both New York State champions. So just a few fun facts that I dug up. I don't have any fun facts. So fun facts. Wrestling's awesome. Yes. Uh, it was great to see everybody this past weekend. Um, I'll be reaching out to people to hopefully get on a bring more people onto the podcast. Obviously, we brought on Max Gallagher, Tyler Ferrara. Um, just recently we brought on Carter Bear and Cole Molhauser. Um, there's a few other guys that I really want to bring on and maybe, you know, section two, section six, kind of expand across the state and see who's got some good stories to tell. If you want to be on, reach out. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a serious, uh, zoom call or anything. I mean, it's just two guys shooting the shit about wrestling. Cause it's fun. Yeah, and exactly. You come on and do the same thing if you want. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for episode 56. So um, thanks again for tuning in. I'm sure I'll see some of you guys in Ithaca this weekend. Looking forward to that. You know, we've got a few more weeks until the NCAA tournament. And then we're digging right into the freestyle scene. So yeah, that's all I got. Peace out. Peace out.